So, I said a few weeks back that we'll give a shir or two on the unique chiyuv, obligation, responsibility, and where a woman stands in terms of prayer, tefillah. Right? There's, there is a chiyuv, menatayr tadavan. There is a, a but the question is, just like every, there are certain mitzvahs that women are obligated, certain mitzvahs that women are not obligated. The general consensus that, in ge- that yes, women have an obligation of, of, of davening, to daven. And in a certain way, their power of tefillah is an, a lot stronger, or they're able to reach those levels a lot easier than a man is. That's, there's, there's, on the podcast, there's a share about that, that mentions, with, uh, part of that's, Discussed that a little bit when we spoke about the the Berchas Hashachar. So Mitchum, that shear is is coming. One or two shearim, which stay tuned for, which will really because it, there's confusion. I come to shul. What do I do in shul? I don't have to daven. Do I daven? Many once girls graduate high school, that question starts to surface. It's not part of school anymore. So what do I do? As a wo- woman grows older, right, and she has a family, and she has children, and she and uh, right, so what, when there's children there, there are less obligations. Yeah, but what, what is my obligation? What am I doing here? So that's why I plan to really take it apart from a halachic perspective and from an agadic perspective. Just we should understand both. Both, both are equally important. First, to understand our, the requirements and more importantly, to understand um, what, we're, what we're really doing, what we're accomplishing. However... I was thinking that a major part of the davening that we daven, right, shachars, menchamayr, is preparation. Because really, tefillah, when we, when we say tefillah, that's a reference to shmanesr. That's tefillah. Kriyashma, tefillah. Psuki de Zimra, for example, is a preparation for being going in front of the king in such a manner. And there's a lot of Time given to prepare for davening, and it's brought down in halacha that way. A person should prepare himself. How, how the whole way we go into a shul—that's all part of that preparation for this experience of standing in front of the Almighty King, Hashem, right? Hashem, our Father. And in general, we find by mitzvahs, tzaddikim right? teach us that the preparation for the mitzvah is many times is, not many times, is, in a certain sense, more important than the mitzvah itself. Why? Because when we prepare properly, we prepare, meaning we take time to think and appreciate what's about to happen, what, what are we doing, then by default, the quality of the, of the actual mitzvah that we're doing automatically becomes better. So it's a, it's a build-up, everything's a build-up. I want to say that the shir we say today should be a schus for four shleima for my sister Miriam Basina Pesi Echeved, a schus for four shleima for Yaakov Yisrael, he added a name, Ben Tamar Malka, little boy, he's in my son's class, he was hit by a car a week and a half ago, for four shleima bakarv, and Lila Nishmas Azriel Ben Yitzchak. And today was Shabbos, was the yard of my grandfather, my mother's father, Shmuel Ben Yankov. So I figured before we give the shir on tefillah, 
we need to we need to prepare. We need to understand what is it about that we're gonna what what are we discussing? And I'll explain you why. We think a lot about what we ask you listen to the questions that are asked. Why does Hashem do this? And why does Hashem do that? And how do I this connection and my connection, which is all very important, it's extremely important. When we're trying to figure out and f- get that feeling, and then and everyone has the uh, trying to understand and connect, which is crucial. You need that connection. But the question that we have to ask ourselves before is who is connecting? Who am I? Who am I that I'm connecting? For example, who recently won the seat in the Senate? Uh, Senator, I don't know. He was a truck driver in the last election. Who was that? In, where was it, in California somewhere? No. In New Jersey? Oh, he became a governor. He became a governor? No, he was, he was running for governor. Well, not the governor, somebody. He, he, and he won the seat, right? He won the seat. He was a he was a trucker. He wasn't a politician, right? He wasn't. He his whole life he sat in 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 uh, drove a truck. It's one type of job. It's a very important job. You don't you're not you're not you don't drive a truck properly. Many people will die. It's a you gotta know what you're doing. However, when he was elected, it means he had to think. And realize that he right now is entering a different position. Yeah, to realize who he is and what he holds. Same with us. We need to realize, first of all, who we are. Now, many times we take that for granted. Obviously, we realize we're Eden, we're people. We're human beings, we're members of the of the right of Hashem's we're chosen people, we're his children. But I f- was thinking that maybe sometimes we forget. Sometimes we we're so used to it that, that okay, it becomes part of it. We don't we don't we don't give that we give we don't give that part much thought. And as much as it's important to give thought to what we're about to do, we have to give thought before we're able to understand the the magnificence of what it is that we're doing, we have to first understand the magnificence of ourselves. And I think there's really no more a, a, a appropriate time to talk about that than Motzah Shabbos. Motzah Shabbos and Avdolah, we say, Hamavdol ben Kodesh lachol. and I saw a, a nice diak. We don't say, Hamavdol ben Kodesh Litome. We say, Hamavdol ben Kodesh lachol. Meaning it's not bad. It's not tuma. It's not ra. It's chol. Seemingly harmless. But there is no limit to the amount of harm that could come when the difference between Kodesh and Chol, when we don't realize that there is a difference, that's, that could be harmful. So that's a very, in Kodesh Lachol, very specific. He's alive still, by the way? No, he's not alive anymore. Yeah.
So with that in mind, let's take a look at this the, the, uh, a part in this week's parsha, which we really we say every single Shabbos by day. We say it Shabbos by day, and by Myriv, Friday night we say it before Shmonesri. V'shomru b'nei Yisrael es ha-Shabos, Right, then... Usually when we're saying this Shabbos morning, we're like, oh, we want to eat already, so just get over with it, right? No, that's not the point. It's Kiddush. Kiddush Shabbos day. And, by the way, whoever, you can ask your husbands if they remember this, but you'll know if they were listening this morning by the drasha. Because part of it is what we said, and we're, we're building on that. On that um, I was thinking about this for a few days before I decided to say it. But as we were speaking downstairs earlier, I was thinking that why is it, this piece, this piece in the, of... of in, of this parasha, describe Kali social. We should keep Shabbos. Shabbos will last. It says a Shabbos ledoyroisam to make Shabbos for our future generations, bris olam and an eternal covenant. Beini ubein bnei Yisrael between me, Hashem says, and Kali Yisrael, the children of, of Eden. Ois he leolam. It's this is the sign. A marshal is given. This is the marriage ring. And you know, when someone wears a marriage ring, that means they're married. When they take it off, you know that something's off. And there, there's, there's something. There's a sign. Right? So someone asked, you know, what, what about? You know, but else, usually the men don't wear the marriage ring. Right? So that's why. So someone said, you, you can tell. You see when I'm. When a man is married, you can tell. You, you, you see in his face, he got a mother-in-law. He's, 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 uh, I, I have an explanation for that, by the way. On a serious note, why that is. Um, which is for a different discussion. Um, it's, 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 this is the sign, meaning, and this is, this is true. Factually, that when someone is starting to go off, the last thing to go is Shabbos. The last thing that somebody will, once they let go of Shabbos, it transfers to critical condition. It's interesting. It's a, it's an innate thing. It's natural. When is this all said? After Hakadosh Baruch Hu speaks about, tells right very crossly, B'shem Batzal ben Uri ben Chur, the construction of the Mishkan, the Kiyor, the all the everything, everything that the, that's was designed by Batzal for the Mishkan, and here the Torah saw fit to give, and it's not a mitzvah. It's not listed as one of the mitzvahs. It's not listed as one of the 630 mitzvahs. You shall keep my Shabbos. It's Azhar. It's a, a reminder to be cautious. Why over here? Wouldn't I think, you know, we're talking about people that are building the Mishkan. This is not your average, um, you know, people you labor for a day you get, right? These were people, special people. 
Everyone realizes Shabbos is Shabbos. Why would I think that I would give up Shabbos? So being, it's explained that being that we can we can get carried away. We're building the Mishkan. What do you mean? This is the this is the place for Hashem. Surely I can probably get you know I'll keep Shabbos next week. Says Hashem no. Don't touch Shabbos, ever. So I was thinking, why is that? Imagine, right, you were chosen in such a unique way. To be the one to, to spearhead the entire construction project of the Mishkan. And then there's a f- elite group of people chosen to build this. It's not just building construction. This is building with, with... You're building the house of Hashem. It's not just putting up brick and mortar. How would we feel? Right? That the rush of adrenaline that we would feel would probably be you could maybe understand it. You could forget. Or make different calculations that maybe Shabbos, for us. For us. We'll. should give it up. So specifically here we said, but why can't, why can't we touch Shabbos? Aren't we building? This is the place that HaKadosh Baruch Hu rests Shechina among us. So why can't, why why really? Why is it not Why is it? Why does it not push Shabbos away? Good question. Well, not a good question. Makes sense. Does it make sense to think that I would that maybe we it should it should push away Shabbos? With all that we understand, that Shabbos is the time, right? It's the, it's the epitome of of our relationship with Hashem. Okay, but we're. For the greater cause, for the greater good. So I want to explain it with a piece that I learned this week. In a very, very, very special sefer. The sefer is called Chayva Satalmidim. I have it translated very nicely into English. I highly recommend it. The safer primarily is geared towards um, students, right? Bacher, people that are. However, there is an essay in the beginning, um, which is specifically for parents and educators. I took it a step further and say, really, each and every one of us is educating ourselves. So we're all, in a, in a certain way, an educator. And this, this was written by Reb Koinemus Kalmash of Piyasetzna. He was the Rebbe of Piyasetzna. And he was huge, huge in Chinuch. He was before the war. And he's also very famous for the... There's a Sefer Eish Kodesh, which are his speeches that he gave in the Warsaw Ghetto. And those were written down. And he buried them in a canister of milk. And there's a letter, I have it down, I have the Sefer also with his manuscript. And he asked whoever finds it should print it out. Unbelievable, unreal. It's dated. Parshas this Kisisa, I think, from 1942. 
I think every year and each each um, yeah. He writes something mind-boggling. You know, I learned I learned through the whole sefer two three years ago with with Talmidim and boys, they were then 18, 19, 17, and they were so amazed. And this was written probably I would say in doesn't say before World War Two. Probably nineteen the twenties, I would say. Maybe, and it's you look and it's it's as if he wrote it today. And he ha- he devotes a lot of time to our the, our outlook on our children and on the generations after us. Right. So it's very common to hear people over the age of fifteen talking about people that are the age of 10 kids these days kids if they would only be growing up when I was growing up and you're 15 years old what are you talking about right but parents all the time definitely people that are older right parents grandparents look at our children and they go oh kids these days so many times you say kids these days, and, you, and really what you're saying is, I remember this is exactly how I was. And um, kids these days, they're not the same. We were stronger, we were smarter, we were more resilient. We, you know, we didn't need no therapy. We had five fingers, and that was all the therapy we needed. And that was it. That was it. My grandfather, would always say, he was a. He appreciated very much capital punishment. And for him, it worked as a child. Yeah, they came home from Cheder. So he, 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 um, I, he described to me, you didn't have your finger on the place. Boom, on the thing, on, with, with the thing. You, 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 you did something really bad. You got it for real. You went home, you complained to your father, you would get it again. My wife had a violin teacher. Proper. Ruska Muzikana Conservatoria. She started learning the violin, right, Mama Pravda? From she learned from the age of three. And no, Chaya no uchitzenitza. And I'm not sure they will let you go, no? That's what Chaya. That's what my wife told me. She's the, she herself already became a violin. You understand? That's a real, uh, real violinist. She, apparently, she was very good. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I trust my wife. And uh, she described how they learned how to play. How they be, how did they become such good violinists? Huh? Because when you didn't do your homework, the teacher would open the door and the students already would know and they would all line up to catch the violin. Forget about the student. The violin was expensive. The The notes would fly out, the violin would fly out, and then the student would fly out. So whoever survived that class played the violin perfectly. Right? So we're very proud of that. Yeah, when we were kids, when we were kids, when we were kids. And... Today's kids, that's it. You can't talk to them. You can't talk to them. It's a lost cause. Finished. To shit svet. Что? Да, да, да. Совершенно верно. Says the, says the, the PSS, the Rebbe, says like this. 
They're really, it's the opposite. It, the Pesach says in Bereshis, right? It's about, about Avram Avinu. Ki yedativ, for I know him. Leman asher yitzaves bonaves beisay achra v'shom v'derach Hashem. That's Avram Avinu's responsibility to direct and to show his children and his family and his descendants after him and thereby ensuring that they will guard and keep the way of Hashem. Explains the Ishkodesh. Kol dor v'dor b'Yisrael, every single generation in Kal Yisrael. Tabaz b'shalshelas ha'yuchsin shalonu. It's where a link in this illustrious lineage that we have as a Jewish nation. Sheroisha, who's our head, Kshuru Bavram Avinu. Vesoifa, who's the end, Mashiach Tzedkeinu. Sheyov Meherayamenu, you should come very soon. Mekabalu Ador Amuna, every generation receives Amuna. Toira, Veyira, Menador Shektomai. The fear of God, the devotion and connection, and Toira, both knowledge and, and, and relationship. We receive that from a previous generation. And we give that over to the future generation. That's the nature of it. That's the way it's supposed to go. And, and, and it's important to realize that. Um, one second, I'll explain how in a second, in a minute. That's the main mainstay of our existence. There's a Rav in, in uh, Woodmere, by the name of Moshe Weinberger, and he actually he's, uh, their community is called Esh Kodesh, after the Sefer of the P.S. Yeah, that came out from the from his speeches during the war. And he said a, a beautiful thing. He said like this, he said, his, par- his father, his parents survived the war, they were in the camps. And he said, maybe my father didn't learn with me the same amount of mesechtas that I learned with my child. Maybe he wasn't as knowledgeable necessarily as I am. But he gave me a lot more than I'm able to give my child. He gave them the oy. The oy of Yiddishkeit. Not an oy painful feeling. Um, what's the opposite of indifference? Interest. Interest. But much more than interest. He, that it's this is real, it's relevant, it's ours. Sure. That's it. That Amavdil ben Koydish Lachol. That's what they gave. And that's what gave the foundation for that genera- generation of children to grow into Torah scholars and in the right way because what did they had the foundation? And what was the foundation? Understanding the difference between Kodesh Lachon. Understanding who we are, who is Hashem, where do we, how, what that relationship is all about, but who, who we are as people. And then being able to understand that relationship. Being able to understand why we daven, what we daven, why we do, what we do. But first and foremost, who are we? Who's the we? And he says more. 
was that one? And he addresses, so why, so what is the difference? What is the difference between, okay, so each generation gives that over. Well, what are we missing? So he's saying that it means if our children, if our, if our, we see them missing something that we feel that they are missing, and the question is, how did we give it over? Or what, what did we give over? What did we give over? There are certain things, as Ramesh Weinberger explained, with his father, right? It's not necessarily what we say. It's not necessarily the lectures that we preach. Rather, it's the life that we live, that our children see. The values that we sometimes don't even realize that we exhibit. It's just part of us. And that's what goes to them. I'll, I'll disclose a personal, something personal. A year ago, I went to P- No, this was two years ago. I went to PTA for my son. And his teacher t- uh, was telling us, well, we were talking about his academics and all that. I said, you should know he's really proud of you. I said, really? I never heard him express it. I said, what do you mean? He comes to Yeshiva, he's talking, his father does this, his father does that, his mother, his father. So he, his whole class knew already what Hever Kaddish is. I'm like, at five years old, I had no idea what it was. Apparently his class, no, I, do I, did I speak to him? Maybe a little bit. But he sees... Phone calls, he hears conversations. I gotta be careful. Apparently, he hears a lot more than I think he should. But um, he hears. As an example, that applies to everything. Torah, avoid the gemilas chasadim. I can I speak for myself and what the way we've learned from from my parents, same way. Yeah, there were conversations, there were things that we were taught that were explained, but. Someone asked me the, the reason, right? Why, why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why, why am I living the life that I live? Because I, I saw my parents, I see my parents' life. I see how they made a decision that this is their life. Not because they told me, it was my decision. But I saw what it means to them. I saw that this is how, this is what, this is what they live. Oh, you asked them if they could wait for a second? Five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah, if not, tell them, if, if it's not, if not, tell them it's okay. Okay? Um, so here, you, um, Don't find it at the moment. I don't, um, oh, here we are. And he says further. The difference between the generation before and the generation afterwards. And that's how we get back into, Sha- into where we started with Shabbos. And we'll see how that goes into, into this introduction to Tefillah. (laughs) 
maybe they were more pious. They were more careful. It, thank you. He were, they were more careful in doing what Hashem wants from us. In in the in the in the upbringing of the future generation, they were they were also they approached it with a lot more reverence. I speak for myself, my parents, my grandparents, meaning all of many of you sitting here, the generation before me, and really each generation before the one before it had a um. And a, pre, a certain appreciation that maybe was missing in the in the in the generation after it. I think we can. We're we're living like a few generations after World War II, and there was such a big destruction. So we can maybe relate to this a little bit more on that level. The generation that survived the war, right? They saw destruction. They didn't care. They they their whole entire life was to rebuild what was what was destroyed. And that was everything. That you didn't have to. There was no theological explanation. It was in their blood. Sure. It was there. No, no proof. No explanation. No nothing. This is it. It was in their blood. In their, in their, in their veins. In their blood. In the heart. Whatever you want to call it. It was in their entire being. That was what was developed. And they, and therefore they were, they were lions when it came to that. When it came to defending the chinuch. You read about Rabbi Ram Kamanovich and between the world, the two world wars, when he was fighting the Askola, the Enlightenment in 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 in, in Rakov, it was people were very vulnerable. The the Enlightenment, all the all the isms were coming and preying on them. He fought tooth and nail. He risked his life. They were They were like fire. Every parent was like that. For the there was no there was no cutting corners. There was no indifference. Okay, their kids look right out of it. Aladora Tsorakinit Babashal Tachnis. They saw the generation going down. They were up in arms thinking of effective ways to reach the children. Not, not to knock them out, to bring them up. But it but it burned inside of them. Barash they would they would give everything they owned. How do you have Rabbi Ram Kalmanovich? How do you have Rabbi Shmuel Birnbaum? How did these people come into existence? Because Rabbi Shmuel Birnbaum's mother sold her dress for him to have a ktoisachoisha, not a gemara, an extra, maybe a, a commentary. She sold her dress. Doesn't mean everyone has to go sell their dresses right now. But what what did he show? What did she show? She showed that this there was nothing more important in the world than this. Not just for the study, for the life. Rabbi Ram Kamanovich? Was him? No. It was his his father, I think. When they printed, they weren't um, wealthy people. But they printed the first Gemara that was printed by the Vilna, the, in Vilna, the Ram brothers, the print that we have today. So they saved up and they, gave, they didn't buy new clothing for Pesach because they wanted to buy him the Gemara to show him how important that was. And that's how you raise a child who can raise a Rabbi Ram Kalmanovich who saved 
Torah jewelry for the most part as we know it today during the war. Because he was a lion. This wasn't just a job. It wasn't a facade. It wasn't an agenda. It wasn't politics. It was life itself. Because he realized who the we are. He realized who the I is and that goes for that entire generation. And for, I could say it for our generation as well, but we, it's a question that we need to ask ourselves every single day. What are we giving? Do we have a clear understanding of who we are? Before we begin to discuss connection and why and who and understanding, first understand who you are. Understand all those things, connection and why and why we do things, why we do mitzvahs, all the, the deeper meanings of all, understand that, but first you need a foundation of that it's you. Who you are in this equation, not learning it from the side as a nice idea. Understanding for ourselves. That's the key. So that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling us with, with, with keeping Shabbos by the Mishkan. We can get carried away with the look. The Mishkan is a building. It's beautiful. The Menorah. I mean, the ceremonies in the Mishkan, are you kidding? The Karbonas, the Kehanim, the Levim, the Wizbah. Front page every day. It looked great. Yeah, very nice. But don't get carried away. Don't forget about the foundation. And that's what is what Shabbos? That's what shows that me and you are married. Not that you're an outside contractor, but that you're mine. If you forget that, if you give up on that, who needs the Mishkan? Who needs it? Who needs it to look good? If you're not there, if you're not home. If the kala is not there, who needs the wedding? We're key players. And that's how we approach davening. When the question is, am I obligated or am I not obligated? What, where do I, what is this davening all about? What is, what is my obligation? It has to first come with that understanding of who we are. Bein koidesh l'chol. Thank you for differentiating. Ben Kodesh Lachol. And once we realize, how does it go? Ben Kodesh Lachol, Ben Yisrael Amen, Ben Yoim Ashri, Lashay Sumayamase. First understand Ben Kodesh Lachol. Nothing's, it's not bad. Getting together with a group of friends is not necessarily bad. When is it harmful? It's not harmless. What do you mean? We're just getting together. We're going for a ride. We're having a good time. When is it harmful? When the difference between Ben Kodesh Lachol. Something that's seemingly not wrong, but when Kodesh, who I am, I'm Kodesh Ato. When that gets blurry, then there's no Yisrael Amen. There's, that, there's no difference when Yisrael Amen. When boys get together, men, women, right? Why do you have to have separate? Why do you have to have the separate seating? Is it, it's not, is it a halacha? Is it not a halacha? It is a halacha. Forget what was a halacha. Yeah, maybe you could find a heter. But what's going to be the result when you, have, when, you, when you let go? What's going to be the result when we forget who we are and we blur the lines between something which is Kodesh, betrothed, 
unique, special, holy, and something which is not wrong, necessarily. We, we, at the specific skifkus, gets lost. You knew what he was talking about, Reichen, by the way. This is a, a golden line. Because at the specific, you can't explain it in words. Only like this. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. You can't really explain it. But you gotta have it. So that's what starts. You want, you stroll the you want to be a proud Jew? Then you'll, then you'll, when you have that clear, you'll have clear that you are Yisrael and they are the Amim. And for them it may be okay, but for us it's not. Because I'm Kodesh Atta, we're Kodesh. And then, ben Yoyma, then when we realize what we are, then we can appreciate Ben Then we can appreciate the days of the week aren't bad. They're very good. But can we compare it to Shabbos? No way. That's the foundation we need to have. And if we have that foundation and it becomes a part of us, then we have a way to, then we're, what that, that we're transmitting to our children. Because it could look very nice. Our children will look nice, they're from, they're keeping Shabbos, beautiful. But what are we really transmitting to them? This way. This way. What are we really giving over? The proof's in the pudding. It's a question we've got to ask ourselves every single day of our lives. Because we're being watched. We're being looked up to. It's, a tr- it's an awesome, beautiful responsibility. Which we cannot afford to fail. That's an introduction to tefillah. Standing before Hashem. We're asking realize first who we are, who he is, and what what we are to each other. Good